The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast. We're happy to have you here, where today we're going to talk about the future of Lorcana. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome. It's a brand new year, and we're excited to go on another adventure with Lorcana. Uh, James, how was your New Year's? Uh, it was actually very good, but very quiet. Uh, we just stayed home and played some games and watched some movies and TV. That's about it. Did you play like card games, board games? What what do you like? We are still trying to finish like the last, we bought like all the last five sets of Marvel Legendary, the last expansions in a few months ago. And we're still trying to get through the last couple of those because we basically like to play all the characters and fight all the masterminds before we put the set away and then do later on when we do random stuff. But whenever a new set comes out, we have to play everything in it. Uh, so we played, we were like on our second to last one. We played a few games of that. And then we watched uh, Glass Onion. Um and then some Christmas movies because we were away for Christmas. So we decided to watch some of the Christmas movies we watch almost every year uh, over the weekend. So that's about all we did. How about you? That's perfect. Um, so I live in Las Vegas and every year they put on quite the show on the strip. But this year was windy and rainy and they talked all day about canceling it. The closest parking you can get to the strip on New Year's Eve is like a mile away. So I sat here weighing the options in my mind. Do I really want to park a mile away, walk in the wind and the rain for a mile, be shoulder to shoulder with 400,000 people for something that might not happen? (laughs) And at the end of the day, I decided that I was going to skip it. And (laughs) so I stayed home. My wife and daughter were gone to Idaho visiting her family. But I will say it was the coolest thing. Once midnight hit, the analogy that I used is if there were 10 microwaves and people were popping popcorn, that's what it sounded like. It was like boom, 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 boom. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I, I live close enough, just close enough to Disneyland to hear the fireworks kind of a little bit in the distance every once in a while when it's a quiet night. So, yeah, it, it's not quite the same experience of 10 microwaves going off right next door, but uh, I understand they're like, oh, pop, pop, pops. Yes. Yeah, so cool. Fireworks it was now. a fun experience. And maybe next year. Maybe next year. Because this year we haven't been in Vegas for long, right? Right. This was our first New Year's. We've been here uh, 11 months now. Oh, okay. So... It's been awesome. Anyway, so last podcast, we talked kind of about the past and the present of Lorcana. Today, I wanted to cover the future, and I wanted to divide it into kind of three sections. The first one, we're going to talk about what we can do to prepare now, personally, for Lorcana. Uh, The second thing is predictions surrounding the game itself, like what, what we'd like to see and what we expect to see. And the third thing is what we kind of see happening to the community as the game gets closer to release. So let's start with what can we do now to prepare for Lurkana. And the first piece of advice that I had that I wrote down right away is to follow the Disney Lurkana socials on Twitter, especially that's where they're the most active, but they're also on Instagram. They're kind of active on there. And then Facebook, like they post, but they never, they rarely do any follow-up on there, but I would follow Disney Lurkana for any of the news and sometimes you have to dig because they don't always like make a main tweet 
sometimes somebody will ask a question and then they'll respond to that. And that's where we get a lot of the nuggets of information. Yes, they, they, and they do answer stuff and they do comment on things. So that is definitely where they're active. And I think that's where, I mean, they'll, they'll post stuff to all of them at the same time, but I think that's where you're going to get the most uh, community at this time. 100%. So another thing we can talk about after you're getting your news is how are you going to keep all of your stuff when you buy it in the fall of 2023? And that's card storage. This is trading cards. So obvious things are sleeves. Uh, boxes, binders. Um, I personally, over the years, have been a binder guy, uh, mixed with a box guy, depending on what it is. Um, so I use both. Uh, but you then have to go even further with, are you going to get the, just the basic stuff like cardboard boxes with nothing on them and just like sleeves to put them in a regular binder? Are you going to get custom stuff where you print your own things? Are you going to get stickers on them? Or are you going to buy the official stuff if they ever release that, which I'm assuming they will? with custom deck boxes, custom binders. I mean, there's going to be a lot of options for you to store your cards. And that's not even getting into the playing stuff, which we'll get to in just a second. But that's just to store the stuff when you buy it. So I'm still kind of a newbie to all this. Um, I'd mentioned that I started playing My Hero Academia and I bought some booster boxes. So I started accumulating a lot of cards. And I asked people and they recommended these like white cardboard boxes. They were called monster boxes. And... Uh, so I put all my cards in there and then this is a good thing to know. I stored them out in the garage. I think it's really hot out there, especially in the middle of a Las Vegas summer that will curl your cards. Um, so I had a bad experience with the boxes. I mean, it was my own fault for this time. I'm going to try the binder route just because I'd like to protect these cards, especially the foil ones. Right. Yeah. Anything that is going to be uh, really good cards for playing and collecting and or collecting you're going to want to keep protected so i know a lot of people are like well if i'm going to play with this rare card i'm going to put it in a penny sleeve and then i'm going to put it in a deck protector to keep it extra safe because uh, you don't want to damage that rare card you know if you're playing with your foils you definitely don't want to damage those <laughs> yeah absolutely so i'm still like confused on this because i see people talking about double sleeving it so you put them in one of those little plastic sleeves and then you put them in a hard one? Not, not a Well, not a hard one. The deck protectors are like what you see from uh, Dragon Sleeves or Ultra Pro or one of those companies. And they're like not quite as flimsy penny sleeves. They're, they're definitely more rigid, but they're not actually rigid. So they're playable and they're bendable, but they have hard edges and uh, they are just not like no protection. Like the penny sleeves basically just keep dust off. That's all they really do. You know, if, if you if you if you spill a drop of water on them, they're protected. But if you if you like knock them against something hard, they're going to bend. And the deck protectors help keep them from bending. So why then double sleeve them? Uh, I think people just like to um, like I'm sure what people would do is they would put the uh, sleeve on where the open part is towards the bottom. Oh, so that you then have extra protection in case there ever is like when you're gaming a spilled drink. Or something like that. You have time to rescue them before they get damaged. Uh, and, or, or, you know, I'm sure it's just all about protection and making sure the cards stay as mint as possible. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, I was going to be the one who talked about sleeves, but it sounds like you know more about them. I mean, I haven't seen these penny sleeves. I know what you're talking about because when I was a kid and I collected basketball cards, I threw those in there. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But I haven't seen them sold anywhere since I started playing. So I didn't realize that that's what people were doing but it seems like the dragon shield sleeves and the ultra pros are the way to go if you want to protect your cards with a decent sleeve 
Yeah, there's there's definitely multiple brands out there. I know there's one. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. I think it starts with a K. Um, that has a lot of uh, a lot of fans uh, out there. But Dragon Shield seems to be the one that everyone really likes. I haven't actually used them. I use because I don't have any you know actual like trading card games. The games I play like Legendary. They're um, I think they're called living card games. Oh yeah. Because, because when you buy a set, you get everything you need for the set in one box. You don't have to go hunting for it like you do for a trading card game or a collectible card game. So what I, I use Ultra Pro is because they're basic, they're cheaper, and uh, you know you don't have, if, if I'm just gonna store them almost all of the time and not actually play with them except for irregularly, unlike a trading card game where if I'm going out every week, I'm gonna need something that's more durable, that lasts longer, and apparently from what everyone says, the Dragon Shields are better for that. Uh, so I'm probably gonna end up getting the Dragon Sleeves for the playing stuff for Lorcana. Um, but for me, the ultra pros have worked just fine for years now for all of the other basic, you know, the living card games that I have. And I think the only question mark we have, and this is what I did with my hero is they actually had their own trading sleeves. And that's what I bought to use for my cards. They are more flimsy than the dragon shields, but if Lorcana were to design some card sleeves, I'd 100% grab those because I'm sure they would look amazing. And some people make custom sleeves i don't know how much those cost or where you would do that but some people do make custom sleeves as well yeah and i'm expecting that they will make them i mean i'm sure like i mean if you look uh, because i went looking and doing a little research on the other uh, trading card games and uh, most of them do make uh their own blinders or their own uh box you know deck boxes and whatnot and i'm sure that they also make their own sleeves i didn't see any uh but i didn't look that deep i know that marvel legendary the card game that i play uh you know the living card game that one uh, they do make their own and they make them, you know, to make, to look like the card backs, you know, so that they're, they're pretty basic. It just has the logo on it, but still it's, it's really nice to have that. So, you, you know, over the years, if they use, you know, slightly different printer or printing or whatever, the coloring is a little off and you can tell when it's one set or another, sometimes hmm. that's what the deck sleeve, you know, the deck sleeves are also supposed to do is to uh, kind of keep you from, uh, you know, being able to tell what cards are coming essentially. <laughs> this is true. Okay. So the next thing is a deck box and you may not be super familiar with this but when i was playing my hero academia people would show up and they had this box that held their deck in it i actually found one it was over a black friday sale at my local game store and it's big enough that it actually holds two decks in it and then it has a drawer that comes out and it can hold dice or whatever whatever other types of tokens you might need for the game and it's just super convenient to travel with so that way your deck is also protected while you're traveling yeah, and it keeps it separate from all your other uh, extras that you use to build other decks or, you know, the other playing cards that maybe you throw stuff together when you're playing with friends or, you know, casually, on, on as they say, on the kitchen table uh, so that uh, you can, uh, you know, just have that and you go and you got your decks you're playing. And that's cool. Having the slot thing, I didn't even know they did that. I When I played way back in the day when I played Overpower, I just had one of those cardboard boxes that, you know, wrapped over and sealed, you know, that was like you bought it, you got to fold it together. Uh, it wasn't super flimsy, but it was flimsy enough. But, you know, I just, you know, folded it over, put it, close it up. And I had like little like three by five card I like cut or something, keeping the decks d- separated. So it was like very, very, you know, very low cost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That just reminds me, I was at GameStop one time and they had a bunch of their Magic the Gathering cards on clearance for 50% off. And so I was like, why not? Like, I don't play Magic, but um it'd be fun to pick them up and maybe resell them i don't know but when i paid for it the guy was like hey would you like a free uh deck box 
And so I was like, sure, why not? Like, it's free. I guess normally they sell for a dollar, but it's made of this flimsy, like plastic <laughs> material. I'm like, okay, now I understand why you're giving these away for free. <laughs> I don't know, like they might protect from you dropping them on the floor, but not much else. Yeah, they're just basically to keep them in one place. And that's about it. <laughs> the other thing about preparing is you have to, you may not make your final decision now, but you have to essentially ask yourself, how deep am I going to go into the Lorcana world? And basically what that means is how much money am I going to spend? Uh, so in, in researching other games, uh, I went through a bunch of the majors, you know, the big three, of course, Magic, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh. I also looked at Digimon and One Piece and Flesh and Blood. And they are essentially all basically the same. Booster packs are basically $4, which depending on the number of cards in the pack or the number of packs in a box, booster boxes are anywhere from like 65 to 110 or $125, all in that range. But essentially $4 is the, I think now 450, somewhere in that range is now the, basically the booster price. Um, and then things like binders were in the 20 to $28 range, deck boxes were in the six to $8 range. Uh, I mean, you have all this stuff and that's just buying the boxes of cards and then buying the stuff to keep them in. That's just for buying the stuff, you know, like how many booster boxes do you want? Do you want to buy a case? Are you willing to outlay, if, if there's six boxes in a case, are you willing to outlay $600 or more to collect cards? Do you even need to do that? How are you collecting? And so that's kind of the, the question you want to answer is how deep do you want to go? Uh, which I guess we'll talk about the other thing I was wanting to talk about, which is the type of game player you are. Or if, even if you're a player at all, are you a casual or competitive player? Or are you a collector? Are you both? Or are you just an investor? Investors don't have to worry about anything except buying the boxes. They buy them and they either open them or they don't, or they do half and half or whatever equation they've gotten into their heads of how they're going to make money on the game. They're going to invest in the game by buying boxes and hunting for stuff and keeping it and then reselling it either slowly or now or later or whatever it is. That's investing. If you're an investor, you are probably already know what you're doing. If you want to invest in the game, you just have to ask people like, what do you think is the best thing to buy? It's like, hey, there's only booster boxes, buy those. Um, but for casual versus competitive players, there's this whole thing of like, if you're going to be competitive, you have to have all the best cards. So you have to buy some boxes probably to open up and have a lot, of, a lot of cards to play with to build your decks. But you also want to buy singles. Like I think you said that you bought like, was it two booster boxes? Yeah. So when I played My Hero Academia, I would buy, so I bought a booster box of the first set and the booster box of the second set. From there, I bought singles to supplement what I didn't get because one of the other things you have to factor in when you're talking about a trading card game is this idea of what's called a playset. And a playset is a lot of times, like in My Hero Academia, you could have four copies of a card in your deck. But when you open up a box, especially when it's the ultra rare cards or higher, a lot of the times you're not getting four copies. So for example, in my hero, there was a card that's a staple in just about every deck. It's called Excited for Blood. And this card cost $28 per card. So then you have to sit there and think to yourself, do I want to spend $112 for four copies? So you have to, that's something you have to factor in when you're thinking about how deep you want to get into the game. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of like the difference between casual and competitive. A casual player will buy one copy. And if they're not going to go out and, or even no copies, and they'll just like, print out a copy and put it in a sleeve with a base card, like a common card, and they're act like they have the card. I mean, if you want to play test at home and, and kind of do your decks and play casual and say, look, I want to play with this stuff with just my family or whatever. And there's rares that you just can't get, can't afford. They're too rare for you to like buy five boxes and hope you get them. Or like you said, they're $28 or $100 or $200 out on the, on the secondary market. What are you going to do? I mean, 
So getting that play set is going to be something that is, again, do you want to do that? Because you're going to get after a couple of boxes, you're going to have plenty of commons, no doubt about it. You're probably going to have well above four of everything, most likely. Um, uncommons, you're going to get close if you don't already have four after a box or two or three or whatever it is, you're going to get them. But the rares, that's where you have to like, okay, how many boxes are you now just buying boxes to get the same cards and maybe one or two new ones when you could just spend the same amount of money to get those final 10 or 15 cards you need and go from there. So you kind of just have to plan ahead of what you're going to do and how you're going to be a collector. And then, of course, the collector, uh, if you're not playing and you just want to collect, let's say, everything, then you're going to buy however many boxes, again, just like a play test, a player would, you're going to buy boxes up until the point where you think it's no longer a good return on investment because I just want one of everything. And I'm just getting not enough new stuff every box I buy, so I'm not going to buy any more boxes. I'll just trade, you know, because I don't want a play set. I don't need four of something. I'll trade my extra rares for the other rares I need. So getting one of everything, depending on how they do the, the secret rares or the alt arts or the foils or whatever they're planning to do, depending on how that is, you may have a tough time because some of those, as far as I know, you know, some of those ultra rares, you know, are what one every four boxes or one every 10 boxes and they put 10 or 15 or 20 of them in a set. And so you have to like over a hundred boxes, you may get a full set. So you don't want to buy a hundred boxes. You want to go pay for someone who opened a box and randomly got it. You want to pay them the hundred dollars or the $50 that it's worth instead of buying 10 boxes to hopefully get one. So the collector is kind of in that best space uh, um, where they don't have to spend a massive amount of money to collect the game because they only want one of everything, but also judging how much they're actually going to spend over time to get one of everything, because sometimes it's going to be difficult. Well, and it's important to put a disclaimer here too. We don't know how the rarity system is going to work in Lorcana. Like in My Hero, there is common, uncommon, rare, extra rare, and then extra secret rare. <laughs> and um, those extra secret rares are the ones you're talking about that were like one every, I think somebody in the Discord said one every 16 boxes. It's just crazy to me. Impossible. <laughs> so um, we, we don't know. Like they might be more generous, but this goes kind of into the next thing we're going to talk about. It's how much, because some people just want to know how much competitive deck costs. That's essentially what I was doing. I bought a booster box to get my commons, uncommons, and then some you know, other cards to fill out from there. And then I just wanted to buy the cards that I needed to get a competitive deck. So when we were looking at the different, the big three out there, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and Magic, a Magic competitive deck, if you play standard, can cost between two to $500. And if you play Commander, which is the most popular format, it's up to $1,000, which I have you to thank for pointing that out. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh can cost up to $1,000 for a competitive deck. Pokemon... I'm hoping that Lorcana goes the Pokemon route for a competitive deck. You can get one between one to $200 from what I understand. I'm not in the game, so I'm not like, I can't hundred percent verify these numbers, but this is what I gathered when I was looking online. Yes. It sounds right. Cause I, in some of the podcasts I've been listening to uh, other people have been talking about that and saying that, yeah, Pokemon is definitely the easiest one to get into competitively because of how they reprint stuff and they keep the costs kind of low. And that Yu-Gi-Oh, I mean, magic is its own thing because it's it's the big one. You know, they can kind of do what they want. And sometimes they're, they have some extra super rares or whatever it is that people have to get. And of course, you need two or three of them or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you're looking at, you know, like I said, spending up to $1,000 on just individual cards to get that deck put together. Um, and apparently, Yu-Gi-Oh does something that uh, Lorcana 
uh, Ryan Miller has said they will never do, which is making a mechanically unique card as a promo or special card for something like, apparently at some point in the past, Yu-Gi-Oh made a card that was available as a reward at a tournament that was like really a good card that was needed in decks, but only the people who played at the tournament could get it. And that, that just seems wrong to me, you know? So with Ryan Miller saying, we will never make a mechanically unique card that isn't available in a base set that we release is very good news. It's awesome. That's how it was in My Hero as well. You would go play tournaments and you'd get what was called this quirk pack. And in this pack was a unique card. They had like, I don't know, maybe eight per set. But every time you went out, you'd get one of these. And some of these cards didn't make a difference, but some of them you did need to make a competitive deck. And those ones were the ones that would cost 20 to $30 to buy off of. And I'm just going to plug this. If your local store doesn't sell singles, tcgplayer.com, that's where I would buy my singles. But those unique cards, they sell for a lot of money. So it made me happy that Ryan Miller said that too. Yeah, that's great. And for those who don't know, Ryan Miller, when we talk about him and Steve Warner, they're the two that designed Lorcana. Okay, so now let's talk about the future of Lorcana. And because it's the New Year's, when we're recording this, it's January 4th. In the spirit of New Year's, I wanted to give three predictions, well, three things that we expect to see in Lorcana, and three things we wish to see in Lorcana this year after it releases. So James, I'll let you start with that. All right, so three things that I expect to see, uh, and we've already seen it uh, with them revealing two cards, is I expect plenty of card reveals coming up over the next few months, uh, even before gameplay. And after gameplay, it'll probably be you know, since we know gameplay, we might even be seeing a lot more stuff. Well, I mean, we're going to get more get more, more cards, and uh, hopefully we'll start seeing them without fancy smoke or logos in the way so we can see the whole card. Well, if they're revealing gameplay by spring, they have to reveal enough cards so that we know how to play it. Right, exactly. Uh, so we'll be seeing more cards. Uh, the second one is, again, because they've already announced they're going to tell us, is convention appearances. Uh, they're going to show up at some conventions over the year, uh, hyping up the game and giving us some early sneak peeks. Uh, and I think uh, that we can expect them to do something at Gen Con as the premier tabletop gaming convention in the States. So, I mean, we can basically expect them to show up there. It, it, the timeline is just perfect for it, I think. And then the third thing is, is I think it's something that we also are starting to see even like today with some of the stuff that happened on Twitter is the growing fan base. Uh, I think that people will continually uh, find out about this game as we go, as more and more people talk about it, as uh, Lorcana releases more information about it, it will just kind of seep out there. Uh, I saw someone mention on Twitter that some of their Disney geek friends who were at D23 don't even know what Lorcana is. And I think that basically bodes well for the game that if Disney geeks don't know about it yet, and then they will know about it over the next six months, that's a lot of people that are going to get into the game and collect it. At the very least, we'll be collecting it, if not playing it as well. Oh, no doubt people are going to at least buy this game by the mere fact that it's a Disney product. Yeah, with original art. Yeah, with original art. I mean, Disney fans, I mean, I'm one of them. We love art. We love original art. We love seeing the stuff that they put up in the parks and the, in the stores and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, a whole collection of original art. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Even if it's, you know, even if there's a bonus of a game attached to it, you know, it's great. And hopefully the game is good enough that it gets people into the game as well. Yep. So uh, now on to my three wishes is the product fulfillment. And I know a lot of people are talking about this as well and how they're going to try and 
what are they going to do? Are they going to guess right? Are they going to guess wrong? And I want them to hopefully be able to fill a majority of demand. I don't, there's no way they're going to nail it right on the head for how much what people want. So I just, I was, I would hope that there isn't a massive overprint, which will, uh, according to some people, kill the game because then people won't want it because they will have it sitting on the shelves. And we don't want a massive uh, underprint because that makes allocations and makes the market go crazy and will drive up prices and dry up supply. And then people won't be able to buy it and play it and see, you know, how good of a game it is. So uh, close to, but not over demand, I think is probably the sweet spot. And I don't think people understand how impossible of a task this is going to be. This is a completely new game that has a lot of hype surrounding it. Disney collectors are going to collect it. Card game collectors are going to collect it. And the people who want to play are going to collect it. Where that sweet spot is, we don't really know. I mean, in a perfect world, your scenario would play out. But if they're going to overprint versus underprint, I would almost prefer an overprint. So that way... I wouldn't mind an overprint. I just don't... No way I want a massive overprint. Like, I really hope they don't, like, way overestimate how much they need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But in my my theory, if they overprint it, they at least get to establish a baseline for future prints. Yes, about why, uh, like, comics, uh, the number two and three issues are sometimes worth as much if not more than the number one issue, because comic companies will overprint number one, but dial it back on number two and three because of, you know, they see what the orders are as they come in each month and they lower it down because everybody wants number one, but does everybody want number two and three? Mm, That's smart. (laughs) So my uh, second wish is, well, I mean, success. You know, the game is successful. I I really hope that it's successful and it's kind of uh, selfish because They're starting with Walt Disney Animation Studios, which is awesome, but I'm a fan of a lot of things and a lot of things that Disney owns, and I would love to see them bring that into the game in the future, which I'm expecting them to do if the game is a success. So I want to build, you know, like an Elsa Ahsoka Invisible Woman deck. You know, I want to be able to put together a bunch of stuff into a deck and make some pretty fun stuff uh, going forward. So that's my, my second wish is success for the game. And my third is, again, something that I want, which is if you have been to the stores, you have seen Villainous, which Ravensburger uh, produces. And they also make puzzles based on the Villainous games. And I'm a puzzler. So I would like them to make puzzles of the art for Lorcana, which I think would be awesome. That's an easy win for them. Like yeah. they have the art, they're a puzzle company. That's a no brainer. Exactly. I, I, it's kind of a wish that I'm like, well, that's an easy one. They're probably going to do that. It's, it's more of a like, you know, uh, that way I, I have a really good success rate on my wishes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have some good expectations and wishes. Uh, I'll jump into mine here. Uh, my first expectation is I was cautiously optimistic going into this game. But as we get closer to the game, and we're still not that close. But as we get closer, I expect this game to be in the top five immediately when it starts selling. And maybe it won't be in the top five for 2023 because it doesn't release until October. But I think this game is going to go gangbusters once it releases. And, you know, part of that depends on which markets they release in. But I expect this game to be a huge hit. My second expectation, and I guess you kind of touched on this as well, is skyrocketing interest in the game. So my meme of the day today had a picture of spongebob and his fingers were going over a file and i had the different social media images on there and somebody said let's be honest you spend most of your time on twitter 
And I was like, ah, maybe 50% Twitter, 45% Discord. But then I was like, I can check this. And I looked at the screen time on my iPhone and it's ridiculous. I'm on Twitter <laughs> way too much. So I see like the growing interest in Lorcana on a daily basis. And like you say, I'm usually that person that's there <laughs> commenting after anybody else says anything. It's awesome because I just love talking about it. But I yeah, feel you're the cheerleader of Lorcana. I mean, you're out there being, you know, the positive voice, the, you know, letting people know information and just like, you know, yeah, we're super excited. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. And I feel like it's growing and I feel like we're almost at a point. Uh, once they release the gameplay. So many people are going to talk about it. Yeah. So many people are going to talk about it. They're going to get like deep into the gameplay and theories and just all kinds of stuff is going to happen right from that point on. I mean, we're going to get, obviously the card reveals are going to do something, but Gameplay is the thing that's going to make it skyrocket for sure. And that kind of leads into my third expectation that bigger content creators are going to move into this space as awesome as I think you and I are and the other people in the area of content creation for Lorcana. We already saw it today, January 4th, the Disney Lorcana team started following people on Twitter that had 112,000 followers or 20,000. These are big name people in other card games. And they themselves have expressed interest in creating content for Lorcana. So I'm curious to see what dynamic that has in the community. But I expect those bigger content creators to start moving in soon. Yep. Yep. I, I would definitely expect that. I mean, they have to. I mean, just part of the process of getting eyeballs on the product and, you know, people getting eyeballs on their channels. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Yeah, it makes total sense. As awesome as it was for them to reach out to us, you know, these last couple months, these people that have one to 200 followers on Twitter, uh, it doesn't make sense strategically to launch your game on a small platform like that. But that kind of leads me into my first wish. This community has been so awesome and positive that my first wish is that the diversity of different people's backgrounds is embraced and that there's no toxicity. And I know that's probably an impossible wish. But I am really enjoying where we're at. And I feel like the creators had said themselves that they want to create an inclusive game where everybody feels welcome. And I just hope that we as a community embrace that um, inclusiveness. Yes. And uh, as some have pointed out, you know, it's, it's a, one of the main things that you can do is to uh, make sure you point stuff out when you see it. That's, that's a problem. Because uh, uh, just, you know, letting things go, I think, has been... Uh, not a good thing in the past. So I think just, you know, talking about stuff and making sure people feel welcome is, is definitely the way to go. Yeah. So my second wish, and I guess we haven't seen this, but is that content creators will get card reveals. That'd be a really cool thing to let people reveal cards. I mean, they're going to reveal them on their socials anyway. So why not let somebody else do the work for you? And then you can retweet it. That, that does happen. Uh, Again, leaning on my experience for Comic-Con, uh, I know that uh, the San Diego Comic-Con unofficial blog does have a few vendors that have Comic-Con exclusives who do come to us and say, hey, can you reveal this exclusive or can you reveal, uh, you know, this set of exclusives or whatever it may be. So companies do go to uh, the content creators who uh, have a voice or who just, you know, present it in a way that is uh, that the company likes. So I think that it's definitely possible. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So my third wish is that there are Gen Con promos. And I know there's going to be no mechanically unique cards, but just like at D23, how there were those six cards with the unique foiling and then all seven had the D23 stamp. 
maybe there will be something like that or maybe there will be play mats or sleeves or some kind of uh, specialized merch but i'm 100 planning on being at gen con <laughs> and <laughs> so you want something there to get i really do yeah and yeah. i will line up at four in the morning if i have to Okay, so those were our three wishes and three expectations. I did three and three because six seems to be an important number in Lorcana with the six inks and six cards at D23. But let's talk about our third subject. Let's talk about the community. All right, so uh, for as far as community engagement, what we've seen already has been, in my opinion, stellar. They're doing a great job. Um, so as far as what predictions I think may be coming in the future or what I would like to see, I think we're going to get like an official Discord. Most companies now produce an official discord because it is so convenient and easy to use for as a game platform so i think we're most likely going to get that but i also would like to see uh which those of you who are involved in the pokemon world i would see like to see something like pokemon professors where there are people out there who are helpers for the game who answer questions uh, who are just generally available to people who buy the game having never played trading card games before and can answer questions um, essentially around the clock because you know people just randomly on twitter you know it two o'clock in the morning and answer a question or whatever, or around the world. Even. So it sounds like the perfect job for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like to see that uh, as the game goes out around the world, that there is people out there able to help to make sure that people know how to play the game, because there's nothing worse than getting a new game and playing it wrong or not having like answers to basic questions. That is, you know, of course you'd want the rule book to hopefully explain everything, but of course, we know that not everything's going to get answered and people will have a little bit of confusion here and there about whatever. So having people out there to answer like specific game text or card text on a specific card, that thing would be awesome. Well, I will tell you when I first got into My Hero Academia, I would have paid money for that because it's such a complex game. At least it was for me. I watched every tutorial that I could and I still didn't understand. And it wasn't until that I actually went in person and had the players there at my local game store just so patiently and so kindly like walk me through each turn being like if you do this then this happens if I do this and that happens I mean once I did that then I understood it but no tutorial really clicked for me so having somebody that you could just turn to online in a much less threatening environment would be awesome yes what about you what do you want to see so I am the same as you. I'd love to see a Discord. That's one thing that My Hero has done right. I love their Discord. They have employees who are active in it, and it's an engaging community. There's always stuff going on in there, but I'm going to take that one off the table. But I would like to see them get out in the communities to promote this game. And I know that not every community is going to get somebody from Robinsburger to come out, but how cool would it be to have somebody come to your city and I don't know, Missouri to a game store and be like, hey, we're here to demo this game and here's some starter decks and here's how you play it. I think if they actually got out into like a little tour like that, that that would get a lot of people hyped for it as well. Because when I play at my local game store and I talk to people about Lorcana, most people are like, eh, sounds like, sounds like magic. I don't know. Like I haven't seen a lot of interest, but I feel like if there was somebody there official that they're like, wow, this is something important enough that somebody's here representing the company. I think that would get a lot of attention on the game. That would be cool. Uh, of course, uh, Robinsberger is not a large company, so we'll have to see how they can go about making something like that happen. I mean, I know they're going to show up at conventions. They have to. They've already announced they're going to announce a convention schedule. But uh, yeah, uh, a local game store tour would be pretty cool. And maybe like it's not even employees. Maybe they just have people who go through an ambassador program and then they go around their local game stores as like 
I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but as almost as a representative of Ravensburger and they have like the merchandise and the kits and stuff that they need to host this kind of thing. I just think something like that would be really cool. That would be cool. Well, going back to the community itself, uh, how do you feel like about the community? And maybe we can talk about some of the questions we have about what happens as we go forward in the community. Yeah, that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up because right now, as you said, the Robinsberger uh, Disney Lorcana socials team has absolutely nailed it. I have been so impressed with everything that they've done, but inevitably there will be a misstep. Every company has a misstep. And this is something that I wanted to ask you, what is going to happen when they have a misstep? Well, I think the misstep will be, it depends on what kind of misstep it is. Like, is it a misstep in, in product availability and people are upset because they can't buy the product? Is it because they make some kind of social gaffe on Twitter, you know, or something like that? I think that what they really want to avoid is the missteps that will, obviously, this is the one they want as a business, is that will lose them customers. Um, and I'm not sure what that would be. It's, it's really hard. You know, you can look at things in the past and be like, oh, you know, like what Magic is doing right now. I mean, they made, I mean, how many missteps have they made in a row? Uh, you know, I mean, the, but the, the one that, that is just glaring to me, uh, the two, is the 30th anniversary $1,000 packs, which was just like a completely tone deaf, we don't really understand, you know, we just want to make money kind of a thing. And then they doubled down on that in their uh, tweet where they basically said, you know, over the next three years, we want to grow the profit of Magic the Gathering by, or Hasbro or whatever it was, Wizards of the Coast, by like 50% or whatever it was over the next three years. So that is all that's in their head is how can we make more money off of you, the Magic the Gathering fan? And that's really all they care about. They're not talking about, as far as I can tell, they're not talking about how to make better cards, how to make a better experience in the organized play. They're just like, hey, how can we make more money? And that is a misstep, a big one, uh, because we all know that that Robinsberger is in business to make money, but they can do it by providing quality product for fans, something that they're going to enjoy. And they can do it in a manner that doesn't make it seem like they are just like, can you please give us our money? We know that it has the Disney name on it, so you're going to buy it anyway. So just give us your money now. And there's, they've got to find a way to where they can do that. And I think they're doing a good job so yeah, far. I think you're right. And when I posed this question, I guess I hadn't considered what kind of misstep. In my mind, I was exactly thinking the same thing that you were thinking with yeah. uh, magic. And I think one of the things about that is they just need to uh, make sure that they kind of keep their ears open and listen. And they don't have to do everything the community asks them to do, but I think they definitely need to make sure that they're always listening to the community. And so far, they've been pretty responsive. And speaking of uh, competitive players, what happens when we get those ultra competitive players in Morcana? Because I will share from personal experience, when Pokemon Go came out, I got really into it. And same thing. It was such an awesome community. We would organize community potlucks. This was before community days or anything like that. We would just get together and have a good time. And then there was like 10% of the group that became so competitive. And just wouldn't like socialize with the rest of us. And even, I know this sounds ridiculous because it's a freaking mobile game, but they would even like make fun of us. I don't know. So it just introduced a lot of toxicity into the community and then it just broke. And so I'm hopeful that when these uber competitive players come in, 
it doesn't break the community. Yeah, they 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 can be their subset of how they they do things at like tournaments and whatnot. And hopefully, like I said, the community just kind of like lets them be their own part, but also keeps it all together. Like I mean, they're still playing Arcana. They're still part of the the tournament, part of the grouping. So let's hope they all just kind of let's hope it meshes well. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I I think the way you mitigate that is you have. I mean, they're trying to market this as a family game. So I don't know if it's going to attract uber competitive players. We don't know what kind of pricing there will be. We just, there's a lot of things we don't know. But I think the way you mitigate that is you have the tournaments for the uber competitive people. But then also, this is something you mentioned in the last podcast is maybe you have something for the family scene as well. I don't know. Right. I'm glad I don't have to think about this. They have promised several times a robust organized placing and i'm not sure what that consists of but we'll see and we won't find out until 2024 most likely because i don't know coming the first set i don't even know if we're gonna get more than one release this year because they said they're releasing for a year but this one's not coming out till fall which is the last quarter of the year no i think you're right yeah so i think that early 2024 will, will probably be the kickoff of the grand organized play experiment for lorcana yeah so let's wrap this up here with the news that we have. And there hasn't been a lot. Um, when we talk about Twitter, they did. So they told us that they were going to be out of office until January 9th. We weren't expecting any post or anything. But then they dropped a tweet that said uh, their New Year's resolutions, which were number one, reveal more information about Lorcana. Number two, number three, number four were the same. And number five was, I think, to me some of our fans out there. Yes. And yeah. I thought that was an awesome tweet. It makes it me was. excited that we're finally yeah. going to get some information this year. And, and the thing is, is I saw that and I'm like, because they're, they're paying attention to things. They saw a bunch of the other, uh, the Lorcana guys, like you guys were posting your New Year's resolution soon. They're like, oh, let's get on in this game and we'll do something fun. And that was great. Um, and then uh, they've been kind of just like, you know, they put out the, with that, was that the one where they revealed the card back? You know, they put the card back in a little animation with its fancy little uh, glowy lights and stuff. Oh, yeah. So I'm misremembering. The one that I was talking about, they did put out on January 1st. Yeah, yeah, that the one. one. That, the one that you're talking about came out came out on Monday. So the second. Yeah. Okay. And you're that right. One. That was an image of the card back, and everybody's like, ooh, so shiny. Yeah, and everyone's like, when's the game? What's on the other side? What's Will it be digital? And so, of course, yeah, will it be digital? And, of course, uh, everyone, you know, was answering like, hey, you know, you'll find out in spring. <laughs> and uh game comes out later this year but i did i did want to point out that uh they did uh, definitely say no nfts in the game so they and it was just a random answer to someone's question so they do answer questions even when they're not in the office <laughs> yeah yeah i can't even 100 tell you what an nft is but i thought that was awesome that they commented on that yeah and of course you know never say never as as ryan miller even said about the no, no mechanically unique cards but <laughs> i think true. it's a good it's definitely a good way to start yeah I think that's right, about anything it else that. we missed. I don't think so. I think that's about it for the news. I mean, it's it's a, again, it's a, it's the holidays. It's everyone's out. So I think there's going to be limited amounts of news until next week. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. With that, let's do Disney Jeopardy. And this time I'm going to let you quiz me. Okay. So let's go with, and of course, every hopefully everybody knows what Jeopardy is, but I'm going to do the same thing and pick a title, a, a column and go through one through 500 and just ask you five questions. So we'll see how you do. Uh, let's pick movie titles. Okay. So the first one is 
there are 6,469,952 black spots in this movie. Yes, someone counted them all. What? Oh, <laughs> what is 101 Dalmatians? That has to be it. That is it? Yes. Okay. All right. That was, that was an awesome. I, I would not have guessed that, actually. But it makes <laughs> so much sense. You got that one. Perfect. Uh, the protagonist's baggy pants were animated based on MC Hammers. Protagonist baggy pants based on MC Hammers. Protagonist. Uh, what is Aladdin? Yes. Yes. Man, you're killing it. All right. The next one. Name the very first Disney movie. What is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? 100%. Yes. And the fourth question is, it's the only Disney animated movie whose title character doesn't speak. Wow. Whose title character doesn't speak. I don't know. Do you want a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. Ears. (laughs) I mean, I think of Dumbo right away, but I'm pretty sure Dumbo speaks. Ears. I don't know. Mm-mm. You would have been right. It is Dumbo. Oh, it is Dumbo. Are you sure? Dumbo does oh. not speak. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> All right. The final question. What is the last film personally oversaw by Walt Disney? What is the Black Cauldron? No, that was actually much later. Somebody had told me that that was the last one he had a hand in. Um, okay. Give me a hint. Uh, let me see which one I can give you. Uh, well, um, it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild. Okay, I don't know. The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book. Okay. Yes. Why well, started I, I, off good? I would not have gotten that either. <laughs> the last one, I, the last one I remember him like being fully involved in uh, is actually not not in the animated side, but uh, sort of the animated side, but Mary Poppins. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. I remember hearing so much about him, just like how he had to like convince the author to, you know, all that with the whole story, you know? Right. So, but you did uh, fairly well. You got three out of five. Obviously those last two were, were the tough ones. So that's tough. they were in the, the, the last two. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you killed it on the first three. I mean, you, you were like, you were on fire for those first three. I would have not have gotten MC Hammer. Those. Yeah, MC Hammer. I would have been I was, like. I was thinking of movies that came out when MC Hammer was popular. Right? I would have been like. <laughs> Well, my first thought was Powerline. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's where my mind went was Powerline, but like he's not the main protagonist, right? <laughs> so, but then what would have been would it have been Max? Did he have baggy pants? I'm like, nah. All right, so let's wrap this up. If you liked what you heard, click like, subscribe, and you can follow me on Twitter at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, where can they follow you? Uh, they can find me everywhere online at Dan Regal, and you can check out GeekShotPhoto.com for all of the photography links for my wife and I. Awesome. Well, it's been fun. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. We really appreciate you listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.